Thanks for listening. This is Momentum, the entrepreneurship podcast for photographers. I'm your host, Nate Grahek, portrait photographer and entrepreneur. Join me each week as I interview the most successful and inspiring photographers in our industry. We bring you innovative and proven business strategies you can use to shift the momentum in your own photography business, giving you the freedom to do more of what you love in business and in life. Hello and welcome everybody to the Momentum Podcast. I'm super excited to have you here. Today, I've got somebody I've been trying to get on for a while. Nathan Holritz is the photographer and founder of Photographer's Edit. He's got an amazing podcast of his own that I've been a fan of. Nathan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, man. It's, it's been good to have conversation already. I'm stoked to get into this. Yeah, it's we're going to be talking about I think some of my favorite things. We we'll do our best to to keep it in in time, but today guys, we're going to talk about um as business owners, if you don't know already, uh Nathan was a, a wedding photographer and then uh took his passion for that and helping other photographers and, and and turned it into uh photographers edit, which we'll have a chance to learn more about in a little bit. Um but I think what we really share is both a love for entrepreneurship ourselves, but in helping other entrepreneurs work better, faster, more efficient, achieve their goals, have balanced lives, all of those great things, right? For sure, for Uh, sure. And so one of the things that I'm excited to have them talk about is this thing called um, a BPV or a big picture view. Um, I've thought about it as like having a CEO brain, um, and like a worker brain, but I'm really excited to learn Nathan's view on this and how he's helped develop a BPV of his own and helped other photographers do this too. And in part of that, um, he's going to share with us the difference between being reactive and proactive and a, and a goal that I really am striving for myself in, in doing more proactive work in, in the company. And then finally, um, just good places to get started. In, in implementing this type of mindset in your business. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it truly is my privilege. And, and uh, selfishly, I enjoy good conversation. So I'm, I'm stoked to get to do this. Cool. So let's, let's start um, maybe just for people who, who don't know who you are yet. Um, just give us a quick intro is, is when you got into the photography industry and then that leap into, it's been 10 years, right? Where you decided to start Photographers Edit. Yeah, we started, uh, or I started the company back in 2008. Uh, prior to that, though, I started photographing weddings in 2001. And it was one of those, I don't know, it's almost a stereotypical story probably at this point, but you know, it was it was an interest of mine in photography. I had a, a cheap SLR. This is back in the film days. Took some pictures. A friend of mine saw those pictures, recommended that I photograph their friend's wedding. I did that for 350 bucks, lost money because, of course, it was so expensive to develop the 10, 12 rolls or whatever it was of film at the time. And uh, But fortunately, the wedding turned out well. And from that point, within the next year and a half or so, I, sh- I shot about 15 weddings. The following year, I, we, we shot 30 weddings, roughly 30 weddings. So the business grew very, very quickly. And uh, we just jumped right into it. My business partner and I, at the time, we had the opportunity to launch a photography business in a conservative market. I live in the, the smaller town of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so it was very easy for us to position ourselves against the market and offer what we now kind of laughingly refer to as contemporary wedding photography, or that's what we were calling it at the time. It was kind of funny to look back on it. 
but basically we were taking like California style wedding photography, bringing that to a conservative uh, Tennessee market. And uh, fortunately it took off. Congratulations, dude. Okay. So you're running that business and then it was this like a scratch your own itch type of thing where you just realized over time that, that all of the editing work was kind of burying you. Well, I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, uh, and the idea of of doing post production work for you know 30 to 40 weddings a year uh, was mind numbing to say the least. I also, as you mentioned earlier, I, I have a bit of an entrepreneurial mindset, and so the idea of creating a business that would give me even more freedom and flexibility as a business owner than than I even had as a photographer was appealing to me. And so um, seeing that there was a need, an opportunity in the photography industry for a solution like Photographer's Edit, I started that, the company back in 2008. Cool. Okay. So that's, that is the, I've heard that story. We've all heard it so many times. And I think it's just so, it's one of the things that I actually love about our industry is uh, how similar a lot of us have come into it and yet how differently it can all be expressed. And we all have our different, like, why? Um, Nathan and I also shared how we both loves, love books. Have you read the book Start With Why by Simon Sinek? I haven't, but I'm extremely Ooh. familiar with, with the concept. With the concept? Yeah. yeah. The video itself, the 18-minute video is probably just yes. as good enough, right? Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So with that in mind, what can you speak to why you decided to to go into, to build a company helping photographers and over, and, and now 10 years later, what is the thing that, that gets you most excited about working with photographers? Well, I, I mean, we, when we talk about this idea of what drives our day-to-day -day activities, personally, professionally, professionally asking that question, why for me, it's time and it's relationships. I wanted more time in my life as a photography business owner to focus on my relationships with my family. But fortunately, that meant starting a company that not only benefited me in that regard, but it also benefits photographers in that regard. So they have more time in their lives to spend with the important people in their lives when they no longer have to, to handle this extremely busy work of editing their images after a portrait session, after a wedding Etc. And so that's really what drives me. At the end of the day, you know, if, if I was just running a business for the sake of running a business, I, I just I don't know that I would find that quite as fulfilling as knowing that I'm actually making a, a big, big difference in the personal lives of these photographers who we are serving. I save them time so they can focus on the relationships in their life. And of course, the, the additional benefit is that they also have more time to focus on the things that will actually grow their company. Sitting behind a computer editing images isn't going to do that. They can focus on the, the proactive work that you referred to earlier that actually moves their business forward. I love it. Um, yeah, I, th I think that what's so fun about photographers is this collision of creative and entrepreneurship spirit where we all have come to this profession in a variety of different ways. Um, but it, this ability to kind of define and create your own, your own business and, and learn as you go, whether it's your part-time, full-time, whatever it looks like, if you've got a studio or not, you're on location, you use light or natural light. There's just so many different approaches. And that at the end of the day, um, being able to, to gr be your own boss 
creating freedom of expression, freedom of like, you're going to work your butt off, but it's for yourself. All of those values, I think, overlap in our industry in such a beautiful way that keep me constantly coming back for more. So, okay, let's dive in to the, this idea of, of approaching your business as a business, number one, and then thinking about yourself as a, as a CEO of your own business. That's a big first step. So, so many of us come into it because of a passion for the art of photography and the creativity that a camera allows us to capture those amazing moments. Um, I know when I first started, I was terrible at the business stuff and I did not think of myself as a CEO. Um, what's the first step there for you? It goes back to that question of why, you know, if, if we are, if we don't know why we're doing what we're doing, it's going to be easy to kind of flounder around and just react to any incoming stimulus, right? So we're, I mean, we're on social media, we're in our email, we're getting phone calls and we see the latest gear popping up online and we, we go to a conference and a workshop and we hear about this Lightroom preset and a Photoshop action. And there, there's all of this incoming stimuli and we don't quite know how to prioritize what. And so it starts really with asking why, why am I even doing this in the first place on a personal level? And that then translates to how I spend my, my time day to day, week to week throughout the year on a professional level. So I would ask the question, why, why are you even doing this and let that determine the business model that you establish and then the way that you spend your time in your business day to day. I love it. Um, in the, uh, pre-show conversation, we talked about um, if there's this quote you've read in the book, Time Management from the Inside Out by Julie um, Morgenstern, um, really resonated with me. Uh, do you have it in front of you still? Can, can you share that quote? That really, it really stuck out. It's just thinking about this definition of developing a big picture view. Yeah. Well, again, playing on that idea of not reacting to everything coming in, but proactively approaching your business in a way that you are deciding how you're spending your time. She says, no matter how hectic life gets, the most successful people in life have a big picture view that helps them rise above the chaos and maintain their perspective. A big picture view is your overriding vision, your belief, simply put, of the meaning of what your life is all about, of what you want it to be. Your big picture view keeps you on track, providing the context and motivation for all your decisions about how you spend your time. I love it. There's so many good things to pull out of there. One of the things I want to start with is how the happiest people I know that have the most freedom, that are expressing themselves creative, creatively and having some balance are, are people that own their own business, right? The people that are entrepreneurs that have developed systems um, for them to have some, some, some freedom and the freedom of an autonomy of what, what it is they do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And it gives them freedom to, to spend time with their family and away from the business also. And I think that, that final piece is, is, is hard to accomplish sometimes for photographers because as you, as you grow a service-based business, by definition, it gets harder and harder and harder to step away from. Um, but it's still possible. We've all seen it happen by implementing a number of tactics we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, what does this mean to you, this big picture view, and how have you applied it to your own your own life? 
Well, if, if I know why it is I'm doing what I'm doing, it, I, and I started this company for the sake of time and relationships, then literally everything that I do on a day-to-day basis should be driven by those values. I want to spend less time in busy work, which keeps me from relationships. How do I then spend each of my working days in order to have to, to maximize the amount of flexibility, the freedom that I have as a business owner so that I can have more time to spend with my family? You know, the, you mentioned the potential value uh, and, I, and I emphasize the word potential here because it unfortunately it doesn't always happen. Business owners have the opportunity to have that kind of freedom and that flexibility. But if they're not going into they're running a business with a proactive mindset of this is why I'm running it. And as a result, this is the business model that I'm going to establish. It is easy to go back into that mindset that I alluded to earlier, which is reacting to any and everything coming in. And you're just, you're, you're haphazardly going about your day as a business owner. You're not going to have the freedom, the flexibility that you want as a business owner that, you know, the potential of being able to, to work, say 20, 30 hours a week, take multiple vacations a year. That's the lifestyle we can have. But if we're not clear about why we're even doing what we're doing in the first place, then how we spend our time each day um, is not going to be specific enough then to give us the freedom that we can have. So I, I know we've said it multiple times already, but it can't be stressed enough. It's starting with why. Why is it that I'm even doing that? And for me, that's driven by a, a number of things. First of all, my values. Um, the most important ideas or ideals in my life, uh, my strengths. I, I tend to develop a business or businesses that play to my strengths. So being self-aware, understanding what my strengths are, how much money I want to make, that's important to a point. But then the the fourth component is time, how much time I want to spend making that money. Because I might make $500,000 a year, but if I'm working 80 hours a week in order to make that 500 grand a year, well, it, it's, it's a loss in the end. So there's a balance between how much money I'm going to make, but how much time I'm willing to spend making that money. And these ideas then determine what the business or what the business model is that I'm developing. A lot of photographers are like, well, I don't know, should I shoot portraits or weddings and how much do I charge? It actually starts with the philosophical principles I'm sharing right now, which is understanding why I'm even doing what I'm doing in the first place. And I'm able to establish that why by evaluating these four components. So, so good. So like really sitting down and reflecting and this time of year, um, we're recording this on like the 4th of January. It's just like, this is the standard time where we're kind of reflecting, looking back at, um, looking back at the previous year, um, what works, what, what's, what do we want to do more of? What do we want to do less of? How far do we accomplish our, our last year's goals? Um, this is a really good time to sit back and, and reflect. And I think getting back in touch with why we're doing it in the first place. I think that's a really, really good place to start. I would agree. I, I think the cool thing about this approach, though, is that it actually negates the need for hitting the refresh button at the beginning of each year, or setting new goals at the beginning of each year, because now it doesn't matter what time of year it is, you're basing your day-to-day existence on these, on your values, on your strengths, the amount of money that you want to make, the time that you want to spend making that money. Everything is driven by these four components. And so if you're going to do anything at the beginning of the year, and I I mean, honestly, I, I enjoy hitting the reset button and kind of reevaluating where I'm at personally and professionally. I, I like that process. But this idea of having to 
hit the you know the the big reset button every single year setting new new goals fresh goals um losing a bunch of weight again whatever it might be none of that has to happen um on such a dramatic level if you're consistently living by this process which is clearly understanding why you're even doing what you're doing in the first place that's driven by those four components value strengths money and time and if you're doing that on an ongoing basis throughout the year you're going to be um, a, a step or five steps ahead of the crowd at the beginning of the new year, because you know where you stand, you know what you're reaching for. And um, that is going to lead to, I think, so much more success in your business. Totally. So there's this idea of how, what are you, what's your advice for, for ma- making time to, to take the big picture view? I've, I've got a friend who, who introduced me. He said on Sunday, every Sunday night, he says he kind of puts on his CEO brain where he plans out. He's a very diligent, detail-oriented guy. Way, way, way too much for me. So his, his approach <laughs> was like, was way too deep. I was like, oh my God, that's overwhelming. Where he would like, he would literally on the calendar schedule all of the projects he was going to do for the week. He would do all of that on Sunday hmm. uh, with like a, with a big picture mind with this, he called a CEO brain. And then during the week when he sat down at his computer um, he would just see what was on his calendar and just go do those things. And for me, as being more creative, um, I can't, I can't have it be that, <laughs> um, uh, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like ultra structured. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to feel like a robot working for some company again, right? I mean, that's the, right. the whole purpose of, of starting your own business was to be to, to do your own thing, to be your own boss, and then ultimately have the space to be creative. I, I think the balance and is um, or the balance that can be had might look something like this. So, for example, for for me, my typical daily schedule, if you will, um, what I'm following consistently would be beginning the day with a workout. Um, and a bit of reading, catching up on industry news, tech news, uh, reading a self-help book or a business book. And yes, potentially reviewing my calendar for the day as well. Um, but I know that the first section or segment of my day is, is dedicated to self-development. So I'm going into my workday fresh. And then, and then I have the first, say, two to three, maybe even four hours of my day dedicated to creation, to creating and my most important tasks, which hopefully are associated with being creative. Uh, the cool thing being a CEO of a company like Photographers Edit is that I get to focus because I have this wonderful, wonderful team around me that are helping support my efforts. I get to, I can focus uh, more of my time on creating uh, a better service or the next service that we're going to offer. So I get to, I, I get a taste of creativity innate to that. And much of what is most important in my day-to-day existence as CEO, the, the, the things that I can spend my time on are associated with creating better workflows, creating better systems, creating better services for our clients. And so the first segment of my day after I've, I've focused on making myself better um, can be dedicated to those most important tasks that are going to drive my company forward. Innate to that process, fortunately, can be creativity as well. Um, and then beyond that, uh, communication, um, this is going to happen a little bit later in the afternoon. So there's a segment of my day, which is you know probably two or three o'clock in the afternoon to four or five, which is dedicated to communication, email, social media, phone calls. And that that is that segment of the day. And then at the end of the day, I can do something similar to your friend, maybe not quite as, as detailed, but 
that is picking the three MITs, the most important tasks for the following day. So what I've just shared here is a, it is a structure, but it's relatively loose, right? I know right. beginning of the day is self-development. The next segment of the day is MITs. The next segment of the day is communication. And, and that's kind of it. Um, and within that, that structure, within that loose framework, then I, I mean, there's room for me to, you know, say, Hey, I, I need to get out of the office for a second and go ride my motorcycle. So I'm going to go do that. And I'm going to spend an hour doing that. Um, and then I'm going to come back or I need, I need to just sit down and spend some extra time with my kids, or I need to, I need to run to the grocery store because I totally forgot to pick this thing up. It's not that I can't do anything else, but I at least have a structure that guides me through my day. And at the end of the day, especially if I've spent time on those MITs, I know that I've spent, whether I work two hours in a day or eight hours in a day, I know that I've moved my business forward in some form or fashion. Totally. I love it. So let's let's get into some specifics now, some tactical examples. Um, as, we, as we start talking about the difference between proactive and reactive work, um, I think that the proactive, is it safe to say that like the proactive mind, that's that's the CEO part of your thinking, your big picture. How can I um, like change the process, change the customer experience as a wedding photographer? Like what is, you stop for a second and go, okay, how are my customers finding me? What happens when I get that first inquiry email? What happens after that? What am I doing? What am I sending? It's looking at the whole system at, from the like zooming all the way out, they say like working on your business instead of working in your business, right? Exactly. Um, and then, whereas the reactive is like you've got an email, you got an inquiry, or you've got a phone call, or you've got a session, or you've got to edit the session. Like that is the reactive type of work. Yeah, I, I would I would say that reactive work is is work that has to be done for your business to exist in, in many cases, but it doesn't increase your bottom line. And in many cases, fortunately, it doesn't require your involvement. So with, with Photographer's Edit, we're processing millions and millions of images each year. We've worked with thousands of photographers. There's no way that I could spend much time on the proactive side of things, trying to figure out how to grow my business if I didn't have a wonderful team around me that's helping manage that incoming communication. The communication has to happen. We need to support our clients in one form or another, uh, but that isn't going to help grow our business for the long term. So in, in my situation, I have a wonderful team around me that's helping manage that communication so I can focus on some of the more proactive work, if you will, um, focusing on improving the services and the customer experience. That's so, so important to us. And that is, I think, the difference between reactive and proactive work. The proactive work drives your company forward. The reactive work, it might have to happen. But again, it, it's important to differentiate here. This is work that isn't actually going to increase your bottom line per se. And in many cases, fortunately, it doesn't require your involvement. So there's opportunity there to delegate elsewhere. Yeah, before we get into the final step, like setting the goals and what, what I'm striving for myself, I want to speak to um, is this idea of just taking inventory. I think the, if you get this idea of, of making a list of all the things you do in a day and then simply tagging it, like, explain that that process for me. Yeah, it seems it may seem a little bit nerdy and a little bit tedious, but I, I think it's a really interesting exercise that if you literally, I mean, sit down with a, a notebook and pen or your Evernote phone, whatever it might be, sit down and literally make a list 
of every single thing that you do in your day from start to finish. So you get up and you take, you know, maybe you go work out and then you take a shower and then you have breakfast and then you open email and you get on social media and you start some editing and you're doing an album design. Make, make the complete list from start to finish, from the time that you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed. List every single thing that you do. And it may take an hour to do this. That's fine. This, this is going to be well worth the investment of time. Every single, every single thing that you spend time doing, list that out. And then next to each of those items, mark them reactive or proactive. And again, just to, to uh, kind of review or refresh your memory, personal, or I'm sorry, reactive tasks on a, on a personal level, those are tasks that have to be completed in order for you to have a decent existence. You got to mow the lawn, you got to wash the dishes, you got to, you know, uh, vacuum the carpet, whatever it might be. These things have to happen, but they don't necessarily enable you to reach your personal goals. And in many, if not most cases, they don't require your involvement. Same idea with the business tasks like we talked about earlier. The proactive tasks, personally and professionally, they move your life forward. They enable you to reach your goals. They help you increase your bottom line for your business. That's the difference. And so you're going to go through that list of things that you do in a day, personally and professionally. You're going to tag each one of those reactive or proactive. And I think this will be extremely enlightening because you're going to realize you know what? And in, in many, if not most cases, probably, if you've not taken the time to, to do this inventory before, you're probably spending a lot of your time on the reactive work. And that's okay. It's not a big deal. It's, it's how, I mean, it's just easy to get stuck in that rut. The goal here, though, is to minimize the amount of time that we're spending on the reactive stuff so that we can focus on the proactive, the things certainly that will help us reach our personal goals, but also that will enable us to drive our business forward. Absolutely. I think getting to uh, this place of a three to one ratio, right? Where you're, the majority of your time is spent being proactive in your business. It's, I call it like doing your future self a favor. So some, some nitty gritty examples I want to share, uh, you can share some of your own too. Um, it, it comes down to simplifying, automating and delegating. And I, I can talk for hours and hours about automation, right? And there's all kinds of amazing software out there that helps whether it's studio management, you're automating all of the emails that need to go out once you book a client. Um, in the last year, we've launched Sticky Email that helps automate the process of inquiring, of capturing visitors on your website, turning them into leads, and then nurturing those clients with ongoing emails. That, that alone, like what happens when, for when I was first getting started as a photographer, I would get an inquiry in, in the middle of dinner and I would jump up and like leave the table. Um, I would answer an email at 10 o'clock at night. I would, I would answer, I was always getting alerted because I was so afraid that I was going to miss out on an opportunity. But then when, when you switch to automating and having some of your best responses, because a lot of times people will say, well, I've saved, I've, sa I've got like autocomplete or I've got canned replies built. So when I get one, I send this out, but that, that, that's good. That's a step in the right direction, but it still requires you to react at any given moment in the day with this like huge urgency, <laughs> but then will rip you out of like the creative space when you're trying to be proactive, whether proactive in your personal life or proactive, like working on your website, working on your systems, et cetera, et cetera, because this, oh my God, I have a lead, right? What are some of the other ways you've seen photographers automate? Yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, communication is probably the one that that um, stands out in my mind 
the most because outside of and, and in all actuality, if you think about the life of a of a photographer through the week, what are they spending their time on? There's communication, there's photography, and there's editing. And if if they're offering albums, there's album design. I mean, that's that's really where our time is taken up, and we can very easily only work 15 to 20 hours a week and make a comfortable living, a full-time living, if, if we're really intelligent about the systems that we put in place. I think one of the biggest time sucks is communication. So that the fact that, that Sticky has a solution for helping automate that process is just, it's massive. You know, we live in 2019 and um, I mean, there's, there's this interesting dichotomy of wanting to offer a personal solution or service and making sure that people actually feel taken care of, but then taking advantage of tools like sticky emails that enable us to be able to automate some of that communication. Because yeah, it, it, the reality is we, we tend to kind of put this pressure on ourselves to have to quote, have to respond in the moment, right then, right now. And it's distracting from at the end of the day, the more important things in life more particularly our relationships. You know, the idea that we would jump on our phone in the middle of dinner and distract from a conversation with our kids or a significant other or whoever it might be, that's the last thing that we want as business owners if we're really honest with ourselves. Mm -hmm. So how do we take advantage of, of those systems? That's the question. And the fact that we have this access to this kind of technology now to, to automate some of the communication processes it just makes it much easier. And um, I think innate to that too, There's, it, it's important that we create appropriate expectations for our clients or potential clients, but we can also do that through automatic communication. Um, and, and there are ways to make that automated communication more personal as well. Absolutely. Well, really well said. Yeah. I, I go on and on about how one of my favorite automations, I, I put, built a course this year on everybody comes to the website and asks for, and is looking for your pricing. And whether that good, bad, like frustrating, on and on, I, I go on and on about that and how photographers get all frustrated. But the reality is that a lot of people don't know how to differentiate photographers. And it's very confusing because every photographer does something different. And so when that happens in any market, people revert back to comparing on price. Hmm. And so one of the automations I help photographers build is hey, do you want to get our free email course on blah, blah, blah? Like, oh, it could be how to take better pictures with your smartphone or how to um, how to choose a wedding photographer along with our 2019 investment guide. So it's this great one-two punch like email opt-in. And then as soon as somebody opts into that, it immediately redirects to a page with the pricing as promised along with like a video, like a, a, a on a, a webcam video introduction of like, hey, thanks so much for checking us out. Um, on and on and on. I, I don't want to go too much into the details. We've got training about it in our system. But the point here is the benefit is that means that a photographer's now, when they get an inquiry, they can be confident that they, while they aren't making a 100% personal um, impression, but they are making an amazing first impression instantly. That is that is the very best they can make, second only to face-to-face, -face. which brings me to the final point. My favorite, con there's this book called What Got You Here is Not Going to Get You There. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if we just, I think there's this, this wall that I see every photographer hit where they finally figured out their marketing. They finally figured out product market fit for their area and they're getting clients. Like something that 
most of the industry never figures out, to be honest, right? But you've figured it out, you're getting clients, but now all of a sudden, all of your systems, all of your communication, everything comes to a screeching halt because in all, you don't realize it when you only had a handful of clients, but now you've got a dozen clients or whatever that number is for you where you didn't realize it, how, much, how many hours you spent on every individual client. And whatever that number is, like I said, it creates this huge cliff where, or a ceiling, I should say, where your business cannot grow. It is arbitrary ceiling because you're spending so much time delivering your service and following up and communicating and editing and culling and backing up and driving everywhere and all of this stuff that you are now missing the marketing inquiries. And then all of a sudden, the, the system, it's like this, this start stop where photographers get really frustrated, where they're like really, really busy. And then, they're, then there's nothing. Then they've got crickets. It's like, well, what happened when you got busy? Well, I stopped all of my marketing, right? And so how do you automate marketing first and then these other systems so that while you get busy, you're able to continue doing the parts of your business that really that cannot be done by anybody else but you, which brings us to the final step of delegating. And this is, it's touchy. I think we can assume that if people have listened to this far into the episode, they know this is coming. I'm, I myself have, have, have told people, you've got to figure out a way to outsource some part of your edit. But I want to play the curmudgeon and let you answer. Is So there's, some, there's still photographers out there saying, you know what? My edit, my editing style is part of the service that I deliver. Um, it's part of what helps me stand out as unique in the industry, in my market. I, it's something that I can't give up because I love doing it and it makes me who I am as a photographer. Um, so that therefore I, I could never, I could never outsource my edits. What should I do instead? Man, it's, it is a loaded topic and, and I realize that it can be a sensitive <laughs> one too. Um, but I, I would actually take this back to, you know, it'd be easy for me just to try to sell photographers at it and it's multiple benefits, but let's make it a philosophical discussion because ultimately what we believe about our business and why we do what we do in our business, that's going to drive our behavior, right? So I could say, Hey, you need to delegate your, your editing work so you can save more time. If that's not a reflection of your values, then it's, it's going to hit deaf ears. So the question that I would go back to again is why, why do you do what you do? And in this case, more specifically, why does editing actually matter? Why does handling your own editing actually matter? And I think if photographers are willing to have this conversation with themselves, maybe even get feedback from important people in their lives, what they're going to realize is that that importance placed on editing is actually self-imposed importance. Um, that the reality is 98% of, of clients, 99% of clients aren't going to notice the difference between that the photographer doing the editing work and someone else doing the editing work. And those nuanced differences that we think are such a big deal. That's, that's really, again, it's, it's self-imposed significance. Um, the reality is if you are running a business to, again, provide for your family, um, to create more space in your life so you can do things beyond just work, Editing should then, just from a values standpoint, from a philosophical standpoint, should take a back seat. Um, you're, and I should be more specific here. Doing your own editing should take a back seat to those things that are going to actually drive, not only drive your business forward, but create more space for yourself. 
doing your own editing work, it is literally the most time consuming element of running a photography business outside of, of email. Some photographers, wedding photographers in particular these days are spending anywhere from say 12 to 16 hours per wedding. And you multiply that out times 20 or 30 weddings a year. You can see the incredible amount of time that's being spent in front of the computer and they're missing out on just having a life, being able to breathe. Mm -hmm. So the philosophy should drive the behavior. And that's why I talk about philosophy first, because it doesn't, it, it, if, if having more freedom or flexibility in your life doesn't matter, then outsourcing your editing, delegating your editing work elsewhere shouldn't matter or it won't matter enough right. to make the change. If spending time with the important people in your life doesn't matter that much, then you're not going to make the change. If spending more time in your business on the things that are going to actually increase your bottom line, don't it doesn't matter as much as managing that editing yourself, then again, you're not going to make the change. So the philosophy should drive the behavior. And while it's, whether it's delegating editing or delegating the management of email communication, um, I mean, you were alluding to this earlier, Nate, but the, the, um, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day busyness. And well, while you may put a great system in place to automate communication up front, at the end of the day, you still need to engage with these clients. And we've found a really great, we've got a good system in place at Photographer's Edit where, um, yes, we take advantage of automation through email, but then we, we invite our clients or potential clients to, to reach out and create conversation, have conversations with us on phone or on video conference or otherwise. And so we've managed to to kind of balance the automation with the, the personal communication, but that's not going to happen. I wouldn't be able to do that with thousands of photographers unless I had a team to be able to delegate to. So we've put the systems in place. I've, I've created the expectation about how this is how we're going to, we need to communicate with our clients. This is what Photographers Edit represents. This is the experience we want to create. I've communicated that to my team, and that's the experience that they are now providing to our customers. And it works the same way with editing. Um, and with photographers edit specifically, you can say, Hey, this is my editing style. This is what it looks like before when it, when it comes straight out of the camera, this is what it looks like after I edit an image and I'm using this particular Lightroom preset. And this is how I like my brightness and my contrast. This is how I crop and straighten and, you know, 800 ISO and above, I, I add noise reduction. It, it gets very, very detailed, but you can be very specific about your editing style and you can give that to our editing team have us do that work for you then. And that frees you up to focus on the things that are going to actually drive your business forward. And at the end of the day, you actually have time to sit and spend with the important people in your life as well. Totally. Um, I, I think if we back this up, I think there's a lot of people I'm going to, where you might not blatantly just outward, outwardly sell it. I, I want to, I want to sell um, photographers edit or a service like this. Just if, if anybody's still listening and has not experimented with with some service like this now is the time and i want to talk about different ways that i think you can approach doing a test um when you it, it's really easy i think as as experts we it's called the curse of knowledge where we like we lump together all of the things we do into really short phrases like oh i've got this it takes me x hours to edit a wedding well edit or post-production or whatever you call it like there's a lot of things we're doing, we're backing up. We are we're culling, we're color correcting. Are we retouching? Are there's all of these different steps in our and and as parts of the the, the post production process that you don't necessarily have to give up all of it. When working with a service like Photographers Edit, I think one of the 
there's going to be some people I think that would never, ever, ever in a million years give up culling because they're afraid that like one of the image, the key image they know is the most important might get missed. Okay, that that's the thing you want to hold on to. Great, then delegate other pieces where you can reverse it, where some other photographers can give up the culling and the color correction, but still have in their process a way to add their own custom style and editing. If that's still something they enjoy doing and something they can do quickly and feel like that's they're adding their own art and perception and creativity to a handful of the images that are going to get printed large on a, on a giant wall, then you go in and give that image some special love and care. But for the baseline, you're delegating. And like, it reminds me, oh, I'm going to tell a story about my, my childhood. My dad owned a lawn service and snow removal company. <laughs> he would have, we would always be painting trailers or mowers or something. And I would, invariably my brother and I would have to do all of the taping, all of the cleaning, all of, we would spend days and days and days like grinding with sandblasters or grinders, getting all <laughs> the old rust and paint off. Yeah. And then we get all the, all the tape perfectly. And then my dad would swoop in at the last minute and get to paint and like, Oh dad, that's the funnest part. And the easiest part. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> that's the analogy I want to offer to photographers is there's all of the grunt work in getting your photography ready. If you don't want to, to let go of all of it, you don't have to. You can delegate some of the grunt work of, of culling, color correction, all of the other stuff. And then you can swoop in at the last minute and do the part that makes your heart sing. So um, I just can't stress it enough. If people want to start and do this experiment, Nathan, what should they do first? Well, you make a great point, which is it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Um, so if, if you're apprehensive about this notion of outsourcing your editing, maybe you just start with, uh, the, the basics. Maybe you're, maybe you just, if you shoot weddings and portraits, maybe you just send a, a portrait session and, you know, do the math. If, if you save three or four hours on a portrait session and you shoot 20 of those a year, that's 80 hours that you could potentially give to doing things that are going to actually build your business or to the important people in your life. And I know I keep stressing those things, but you know, I, what I found as a wedding photographer, for example, was investing in relationships was ultimately the biggest source of revenue outside of referrals for my wedding photography business. So if you're able to take 10 of those 80 hours that you just saved because you decided just to delegate the editing of your portrait sessions to photographers edit, and and give that time to developing a relationship with, um, especially if you're a wedding photographer, let's say a wedding coordinator in your area, that can literally translate to thousands of dollars of, of business immediately or at least down the road just because you decided to, to spend a little bit more time investing in those relationships. You no longer have to spend that time in front of the computer. You can now give it to the relationship. So um, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing venture. You can start small. The cool thing with Photographer's Edit is you get 40 to 50% off of, of your first order. So you don't have to spend a lot of money to get started to, to give us a try. And then when you get that first order back, you know, one of the, it, it's a funny conversation I have with photographers from, from time to time. Um, they'll, they'll talk about an experience placing an order with, with, <clears throat> excuse me, with Photographer's Edit. And they'll say, you know, I, I hesitate to give any feedback about it. I feel bad saying that, you know, I, I, whatever it might be, that the contrast was maybe a little bit too soft or the white balance was a little bit too warm. They don't like to give negative feedback. The cool thing is 
we actually have a system in place that if you ever get an order from Photographer's Edit and something's a little bit off, you click on the appropriate emoji. However you're feeling about that particular order, it takes you to a feedback page and you can let us know, hey, um, when you when you process this order, I requested a cool white balance. It's a little bit on the warm side. Here are a couple of examples. Can you redo this for me? You submit that feedback. You don't have to worry about the back and forth email with customer support. You just use that feedback form. It's very easy to let us know you need need something tweaked. You let us know. Our team will edit that that Lightroom catalog for you, send you a fresh Lightroom catalog within a, a surprisingly short amount of time. And, and now not only did you get that work done for you, but you're developing a relationship with photographers edit, which is going to translate to much better editing down the road. And this is something that um, you were talking about the idea of running a company as a CEO, Nate. And this is a really important principle to keep in mind. If you're going to actually run a company as a CEO, you're not going to be an employee of your company, but you're going to actually be the, the manager or even better, the CEO of that company. It requires delegation, number one, and we were talking about that idea, but one of the most important elements of delegation is communication. If you ever worked for a retail company or in the food service industry, you didn't start a job and your boss said, okay, go sell these clothes. And then they just left the conversation at that, where there was no training or ongoing communication. The reality is any job that any company that you go work for, there is ongoing feedback and communication and training. That is just innate to having an employee. And so the cool thing is the photographer with Photographer's Edit becomes the boss. They are in the, the employer, if you will. Photographer's Edit is the employee. And if you're going to develop a working relationship with Photographer's Edit, communication is really, really important, not only to establishing the initial relationship, but to continuing to improve that relationship And of course, feedback, when you get an order back, it's important to communicate whether you like that order or you need something tweaked on that, that order. We've, we've developed a really easy system to use, to give that feedback, to communicate with us so that we can further that relationship. And it's a win-win for everyone. So huge. Um, This has been such an honor. I want to wrap up with just saying like with my CEO brain on speaking to other CEOs listening, if they're, I, I no longer run a portrait studio. But if there was a, a task that, that in my day that took, or my month, I'd just say that took upwards of 30%, 30 to 40%, even 20% of, of my time, and there was a service that I could in one fell swoop outsource all of that without having to go through the hassle of posting a job, interviewing people, uh, teaching them, training them, talking and doing all of the, this HR kind of work that I have to do now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. if, um, but I, I could just outsource it. Like the fact that it's become so simple in the in years past, if somebody wanted to outsource their editing, it meant bringing somebody in. Right. And all of the, the hurdles and hiccups and risk involved in teaching somebody, of you spend all of this energy teaching somebody your style and how to do it right, you as photographers edit have completely eliminated that risk. Not only is it way cheaper than anybody could hire somebody themselves in house. Um, and then what do you do during slow seasons? You fire somebody to let them go. Like, how do you keep them busy? Where you, if, if any photographer, yes, they have to spend a little bit of energy communicating and teaching and setting expectations for the style they want with you, but right. that is saved forever with you. 
the the risks of people quitting and having to be all of that stuff that's all lands on your shoulders not the photographers so that's my last appeal to guys do an experiment i think the best business owners i know they are always eager to spend money to give them back time and it and, and doing it in ways where it's a test you, there's no way you have to go all in give it a try Give it with one shoot, with one wedding, with one portrait session, whatever it is, try it out and just see what happens and then build from there. Uh, Nathan, it was such an honor to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we'll put links in the show notes to learn more. Uh, check out um, Nathan's podcast and, of course, Photographer's Edit. Thank you, Nathan, so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been an absolute privilege. Thanks, Nate. You bet. Have a good rest of your day.